Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As you kind of have just heard about it, and you just have had that in Lent, we are starting our Lenten season, you've just heard the wonderful news and the gospel of our Lord, and you might be a tad confused. Now, you have to be tad confused because just a couple of, uh, just last week, we were on the Mountain of Transfiguration. You see, that happened uh, somewhere in the middle part of Jesus' ministry. He was there where he was doing so many good things. He was having a wonderful thing. The light of the world shone upon him, and the glory of God shone all around him. He descends the mountain and gets ready to go and to, well, do what he's going to do. And now suddenly, it's the first week of Lent, and we're back to square one. We're back to the time when Jesus hasn't called any disciples to the point of where he's just been baptized by John the Jordan River, and now he's out in the desert, and, well, he needs to be tempted. So he is tempted. For 40 days and for 40 nights, he is tempted by the devil. He is not, and it's not just those last big three that we have here. It's actually throughout the entire 40 days. Now, the temptation of Jesus is a very important story. It's an important lesson and an important true historical event. Now, you might have heard something along these lines of preaching like this about it. God came, and he beat Satan. He did so well, and he can do it with the power of the Lord on his side. He gave him the power of the words, gave Jesus the words to say, to combat the devil and everything that he had. So you too, with the power of God's word, can overcome every temptation of the devil's arrows and claws sinking into you. Praise be to God for that. Now, how many of you have heard sermon like that? Especially when involving the temptations. And no, I'm not talking about the music group. I know. I'm not that, I'm not that young. That's wrong. Yes, the power of God's wor word is good. The power of God's word is amazing. But that's not what this story is about. The temptation of Jesus is not about your temptations. Instead, it's something completely different. But I can understand why people get confused. It's a very confusing story. You see, the temptation of Jesus Christ is something that is very weird to begin Lent with, but it's the only story we can begin Lent with. Because... It is at the same time not about us, and yet for us. You see, at the beginning of all of this, when Jesus was going out there, being tempted by 40 days of Satan's constant temptations, after enduring everything, it kindly comes to that final day. That final three temptations. The first one seems pretty easy. Lord, Son of God, if you are the Son of God, that is, <laughs> command these stones to become bread. Kind of a weird temptation, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is hungry, yes. But he's already, he's going to do what he's going to do, right? Turn this stones to become bread. How in the world is that a temptation? He's Jesus. Yeah, he's hungry, but he's going to do that anyway in the future. He's going to be, you know, making loaves of bread to feed 5,000 men besides women and children. And he doesn't even need to use stones for that. He creates them from nothing. And does that the same with fish. So why in the world are these tempt is this a temptation? 
What's the real temptation here? Well, likewise, then the devil takes some um, God and Jesus, God up to the top of a mountain. He shows Jesus all the lands in the kingdom. As far as the eye, as far as the eye can see, as far as the east is from the west, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says to Jesus, you know, all of this can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. But how in the world is that a temptation for Jesus? He's God. He rules over everything anyway, right? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, I'm right. He rules over everything. He is. So why is that a temptation? If God owns everything already, if he rules over everything already, then why is the ruling of the kingdoms of this earth really a temptation for Jesus? What's going on here? Well, after all that doesn't work, he, the devil takes Jesus to the pinnacle of a temple. And basically, he says in not so many words, if you are the son of God, go throw yourself off and kill yourself. Because guess what? The angels are supposed to come and guard you, as the good word of God says, right? And you'll, lest you fight, strike your foot against the stone, and on your wings they will build you up. Come on, Jesus. But wait a minute. Jesus has authority over everything. He's got the ruling power over everything. He has command over the angels anyway. Not just after this entire temptation, the angels are going to come and minister to him to take care of him. They're going to do the same thing when he is in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus rules over the angels, so why in the world is calling on them a temptation? Now, for you and for me, I'm not so hung. I can't turn stones into bread. I don't think I want to rule over any of the nations of this world right now, or at any time. And I definitely don't want to throw myself off the top of St. Paul's to test if God is going to catch me. But what are the temptations? Yes, this story isn't about our temptations, but we still face temptations today. We still face the temptations, maybe not of being hungry, but we face the temptations all the same of wanting the things for, of this world. And they could be simple things. Wanting a new car. One that is hopefully getting 50 miles to the gallon. Especially now. Or maybe you want a better government. More stable one. Maybe... You want something so bad that all your mind is focused on that. Maybe it's not something that you want. Maybe it's something going on in the world that is in the center of your mind always and constantly so that the God himself is second to that. The temptation of this world, maybe not to make stones and the bread to feed our hungry bellies, but to put something in front of God and to have that be more important than the word of God and what he's saying to us. That is our temptation. But there's more. Because the temptations that Christ faced, yes, are all there for us, but what do they mean? What is these temptations really about? Well, maybe it's about the ones that you and I have when we're all alone. When our prayers are to God and we're wondering, okay, God, what in the world are you doing? Maybe the temptation is to see that there is not God working in anything. Maybe it's to be angry with God over something that he has done in your life. Maybe the temptation is to curse God and die. As one very, very, very angry woman said to Job, 
when he lost everything. What's your temptation? Is it the things of this world over God? Is it something simple? But anything that draws our eyes away from the light of the cross is a temptation. And sometimes, especially when we're in despair over these things, despair over the sin of this world and the consequences of sin on this world, and when we need a sobering moment, a moment of peace and clarity, to figure out where we are in all of this and to stand on more solid ground, sometimes spouting the word of God into the vacuum of the world doesn't work. I remember when 2014, about eight years ago, when my father-in-law passed away, after the funeral and after everything was gone, I was um, on a very late night flight back from Ohio to the seminary in St. Louis. And I was very tired. I get, and for some reason, I know that my fellow brother seminarians are trying to be good. They thought the best idea for a tired person after going through a week-long funeral process and lots of grief was to go to a giant Super Bowl party. 21-year-old boys. That's what we had to work with, but I went. It wasn't fun, but I went. But the grief and the anger was in me. It was stirring in me. I was tempted to lash out at them, to hurt them, because I was just mad. I was furious. I was tired. And so, a couple of days passed, and being the wonderful young men that they were, they wanted to help. But also being the year one seminarians that they were, they thought they had all the answers. And so they all gather up in a group surrounding me. It was loving, but they all came to me and started quoting Bible scriptures at me to help me in my grief. Now maybe that has happened to you, where you are sad and where you are lonely, when you have grief in your heart and someone quotes a Bible verse at you. For some of you, that might help. For me, it felt like they were placing a band-aid over a large gaping wound in my arm. The wound was huge, and the band-aid didn't cover anything. And I even said to them, guys, you can't use the word of God like a bandage. To which one of them responded, but the word of God is the best bandage of all. Okay. But I was mad, furious. The temptations of this world were, are the same that Jesus faced. The consequences of sin were the same consequences that Jesus faced. So why in the world do we begin our season of Lent with talking about Christ's temptations if they aren't about putting the word of God to fight off temptations to make ourselves stronger in the Lord, if they're not for that reason, then what are they here for? Well, they're there to show us Jesus. Because the power wasn't the words that Jesus said, but what he did. For yes, the devil came to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, use those, make those stones bread for yourself. Jesus could have. He could have used his power selfishly. 
mean he was offered the same deal? If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. If you are the Son of God, make bread out of stone. Use your power selfishly. Use it for yourself. But that's not what Jesus does. In the times when God could have used his power to save himself or to use his power for something else, what does God always use his power for? He always uses it for his people. He uses it for the betterment of his creation. You don't see this in the words that God says alone, but by his very actions. For Jesus outpoured his power upon those who needed healing. He outpoured the forgiveness of sins out of those who were repentant. And he poured out his lifeblood, his life-giving blood on the cross. Even when he could have used his power to save himself, he instead denied that. And became sin and the power of death for us. So that we might never know powerlessness. For we would always have God on our side. But the devil couldn't make Jesus use his power, you know, poorly. And so he takes him to the pinnacle of the world. And, you know, Matthew and Luke kind of switch these up. But Luke goes with this one. He looks over everything. And the devil says to him, you can have all these temporal kingdoms. You can have everything that you ever wanted here on this earth if you bow down and worship to me. But then Jesus responds to him, if my kingdom was of this world, I would have had servants coming after me. They would have come and defended me. But my kingdom is not of this world. It is a heavenly kingdom. Not of this world, so that no man may boast. Not of this world, so that all might be saved. Saying those words to Pilate, hours before he would die, when offered to be a king, offered an out because Pilate thought he was a king. For Jesus was the king, a king of the whole world, the king of the universe, the creator of all things, and yet he laid aside his glory to die for us and to establish an everlasting kingdom by his resurrection, a kingdom that will have no end, a kingdom that will wipe away all the tears of grief from eyes, where there will be no more mourning, no more weeping, but instead be an everlasting kingdom, not a temporary one on earth, but an everlasting one on the new heavens and new earth. And so even though the devil couldn't get him to do that, he tried still one more time to test God, to throw himself down from the cross, to slow himself down and to protest God. For he saved others, right? But he is not able to save himself. He called himself the Christ, the King of the Jews. So come down from the cross that we might see and believe. The devil waited for an opportune time to tempt Jesus again, and he did. At the moment of his death, at the moment of his weakness, at the moment of the cross, where Jesus Christ could have saved himself, could have established his kingly authority over all the world, that he could have used his power selfishly to save his own life, instead gave it up so that you and I might have forgiveness of sins, so that you and I might have God's help and power in our lives, that we could be a part and be joined together with him in an everlasting kingdom which has no end. 
The temptations of Jesus are not about how we can overcome temptation, but it is showing us who our God is. He is the God who comes to us in the powerlessness of our life and says, I am here giving you strength. It might look different, it might be hard, it might not look like the world gives, but I am always with you and I will always be with you. For I forgive you your sins. I laid down my life for you. I who had everything became as nothing and gave to you everything. That is why we begin our journey to the cross, our Lenten journey here in the temptation of Christ. For we see what kind of God, what kind of Lord, what kind of Savior our Jesus is. He comes. He understands us. He protects us. He loves us. And he promises to be with us. Amen.